Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific markets are trading largely in the red this morning. Ryan Wong joins me as we break down all the market action. Happy Tuesday, Ryan. Happy Tuesday, Michelle. We begin this morning with a bullish corporate earnings report, one that highlights the resurgence of tourism here in Singapore, as well as the divergent fortunes of Singapore's two integrated resorts. On the one hand, Gunting Singapore, the owner of resorts World Sentosa, is reporting a big jump in profits. It netted more than $255 million during the second half of last year, 2022. That is more than double its take during the same period a year earlier. What do you make of Gunting Singapore's latest earnings, Ryan? Yeah, it's a good showing. So if you look at the numbers, it does look quite encouraging. Among the reasons being cited is the return of tourists. And this is encouraging if you look at how it is attributing the rebound in gaming revenue to more affluent and premium customers that they say are staying slightly longer. So not only are they coming, they are hanging around just a bit more to play and I guess lose their money at a casino. So good news for Gunting. So that's uh, something they remain confident and excited about their growth opportunities in Singapore. And on the expansion front, they say Mm -hmm. things are proceeding as planned expeditiously. So something that will also mean more in the pipeline as it continues to build more infrastructure. And I think I'm looking forward to uh, some of these new attractions that are stated to be coming up. Yeah, Gunting Singapore investors will receive a year-end dividend, end-year dividend of two cents per share. If we take a look at the company's share price, it's definitely outperforming the Straits Times Index. Gunting Singapore shares are up not quite 5% since the beginning of the year and more than 25% over the past 12 months. Good showing. A few weeks ago, Morgan Stanley upgraded Gunting Singapore to overweight and set a target price of $1.15 per share. That is about 15% higher than yesterday's closing price. So Ryan, do you think Gunting Singapore's latest profit numbers affirm Morgan Stanley's bullish outlook on this company? It does look like it is pretty much aligned with what many analysts are starting to um, be optimistic about Gunting's fortune. So you've got Maybank Securities also raising their target price from $0.88 cents to $0.94. Cents. OCBC Investment Research also lifting their fair value estimate from $0.99 cents to $1.06. Cents. So that is just, um, I guess, a chorus of optimistic views coming through from the analyst community about how Gunting is likely to benefit from the China reopening narrative where we are likely to see tourists coming into Singapore. At the same time, some headwinds they are flagging is competition from regional mm. casino operators in ASEAN and Macau. So something they are bearing in mind, but it does look that their optimism is outweighing those concerns. Indeed. Gunting Singapore has also confirmed that renovations at RWS are proceeding as planned. So a newly renovated festive hotel will be relaunched in May. It's part of the lifestyle destination uh, master plan. And construction is underway on a Singapore Oceanarium, which will replace the Southeast Asian Aquarium. As well as a new, I'm really looking forward to this one, a Minion Land <laughs> At Universal Studios. Have you have you been to any sort of minion space? No, around the world? I am also looking for this one. I'm sure once <laughs> that's open, 
the floodgates, so to speak, will also be open and everyone will be rushing in. Lots of millions. Oh my goodness. Yeah, just so much good fun. Uh, Gunting Singapore's expansion stands in stark contrast to Marina Bay Sands, which has delayed the construction of a fourth hotel tower, a new arena, delayed also that expanded conference facility plan. So Ryan, what do you think explains these two very different paths being taken by Gunting Singapore and MBS? Yeah, so you've got very different, I guess, um, outlooks coming through. And notably as well, if you look at MBS, it's tied to the Sands Group, which has exposure to China. So on that front, it looks like they have more worries on their minds. And of course, Macau uh, has been going through a tougher year than other countries, uh, some of them. Uh, if you look at the impact, of course, on the visitorship to Macau, that is something that had a huge impact on Sense China's numbers. So if you look at the 2022 results, they made a loss of nearly $1.6 billion. And that is off the back of a 44% drop in net revenue. So you've got that continuing to be a concern. Will they bounce back? How much will they bounce back? That is still a big question mark. And they talked about how um, they kept costs as pretty much as they were. Despite their best efforts to cut costs, they tried to keep their employees under employment to avoid mm-hmm. mass workforce reductions. So that's the price they had to pay uh, for the overheads. Um, hopefully, now with things coming back, um, it does position themselves to be in a, in a good fashion to, re- to rebound. You know, sand properties might be struggling, but you couldn't say the same for its CEO. A shareholder group called As You Sow has put out a report. They published this report that argues that Las Vegas Sands CEO Robert Goldstein is one of the most overpaid executives in North America. Goldstein earned 31 million US dollars last year based on Las Vegas Sands financial performance. As You Sow argues that Goldstein should have been paid less than half the amount. His salary is also more than 800 times the median annual salary of SANS employees. So if you take a closer look at that report, as you saw, is there any correlation between executive salary and a company's share performance? Yeah, there's a lot to digest in terms of moving parts, but the short answer is yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There is a correlation um, if you look at underperforming CEOs. So some of them and these underperforming companies are overpaying their CEOs. So that seems yeah. to be a trend right at the top. So let me run through the numbers with you. So just to give you the context of how much CEOs are being paid versus last year, their pay overall for the S&P 500, those 500 CEOs their pay has gone up by over 20%. So average pay is just slightly under $19,000 or $19 million for the average pay of a CEO. So this is, um, of course, more inflated right at the top because top performers typically are rewarded with stock options, extra bonuses. So their pay for the top 100 was up 30.6%. So that kind of gives you an idea of how much the top CEOs are being paid. So if you look at the median pay, so if you use that as the gauge instead of using the average, it is only up 8%. So that gap really shows you how much those right at the top are really being paid by. So if you look at how much the performance these top CEOs are bringing in, Mm -hmm. they have underperformed the top 100 and the wider S&P 500 index. So that kind of gives you an idea. (laughs) Some of that money is going... Maybe into the wrong places. 
Yeah. So it seems fund managers and retail investors alike need to take note. If a CEO is making too much money, think about investing it elsewhere. Simply put, if you take history as your guide, you're just not going to get as good a return from a company that pays its CEO too much. We started the show off this morning. You're listening to Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. And we started discussing how Gunting Singapore's strong earnings numbers are a sign of rebounding tourism. This is a trend that is clearly not restricted to Singapore. Over in the US, many Americans are preparing for their spring breaks. So what are a couple of the travel stocks that analysts are picking up to bank on the spring break trend? Yeah, as you imagine, travel is on everyone's minds these days, especially this year. Mm -hmm. And no surprises that we are looking at companies like um, Airbnb. That is seeing continued strong demand. So that's one of the interesting um, companies to zoom in on for short-term trends that will continue to play out. Uh, I'm just also looking at a couple of... um, um, ETFs in place. So cruise, which mm. focuses on airlines, hotels and cruise stocks, that has risen nearly 21% year to date. And this is outperforming the S&P 500, which is up only 6%. So that kind of gives you an idea overall of how these stocks in these sectors are outperforming the wider index. So we talk about Airbnb, like you see, continued strong demand. Also, Hilton Worldwide is another company, the hotel operator, which has been reporting very encouraging numbers and they expect demand trends to continue to remain strong. So these are some of the companies that you could be looking at in, well, in the near term for some tailwinds to um, ride on. Fantastic ideas. The global airline industry is expected to return to profitability this year, according to the International Air Transport Association. Airlines are expected to earn 4.7 billion US dollars worldwide. It's the first time that the industry will be back in the black since 2019 before the onset of the COVID pandemic. Now, if we take a step back, the broader U.S. markets are trading at levels that are significantly higher than just a couple of months ago. The S&P 500 is up 16% from its October lows, and this has some analysts that are increasingly getting worried about valuations. So Morgan Stanley strategist Mike Wilson has turned to the John Krakow bestseller into thin air for a comparison. He thinks that U.S. stocks are reaching the death zone where they just don't have enough oxygen to get higher. Great book, by the way, Into Thin Air. But if we take this viewpoint for a minute, Ryan, what are some stocks that analysts say still do offer good value and quality earnings? Yeah, so to get there, you have to take a step back. And this is where you look at the wider picture. What are some of the trends playing out? And we talk about chat GBT, AI chatbots. That seems to be an ongoing development that will be around for a long time as we try to um, look at this AI arms race playing out. So one of the beneficiaries is the chipmaker NVIDIA. So that is one of the stock ideas uh, being outlined. Of course, NVIDIA will be powering some of this. And also, they have a play in the cloud um, growth picture as well. Even though we are not seeing as lofty growth rates as before, it is still growing. Um, So something to still keep in mind that it's just not growing as fast as before as we see more adoption and uh, at some point it has to moderate. So this is uh, still going to enjoy growth but not as much as before. Another one is AIA. So it's being dubbed the best in-class insurer with 
50% revenue exposure to China and Hong Kong. So that kind of mm. gives you a clue. It's a big play on the China reopening story. And one more is Chubb, the largest property and casualty insurer. So this is something that will be driven by a lot of improved underwriting and better investment income in what is being seen as a higher interest rate environment. So I think mm-hmm. you've got these ideas in play and very strong arguments uh, to get uh, look to take a closer look at them. All right. So T. Rowe prices, Rahul Ghosh likes chipmaker NVIDIA and two insurers, AIA and Chubb. We're going to keep an eye on his picks right here on Your Money with me, Michelle Martin. In tech news, Mark Zuckerberg's Meta is taking a cue from Elon Musk and Twitter. Both of Meta's big social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook, are about to start charging users at least those who would like to show that their accounts are verified. Those blue ticks are going to cost you. The service called Meta Verify costs about $12 US a month or $15 US if you purchase it through the iOS app. So what do you think, Ryan? Do you think these subscriptions are going to take off or will users be annoyed at having to pay for the blue tick? I think he's pushing his luck here. Eleven ninety nine <laughs> a month. I can't imagine paying that much for a blue tick next to my name. Uh, maybe someone else does. And maybe you have an influencer and you really need that blue tick. It could work out for you. The other thing that stands out for me is why do Apple users have to pay fourteen ninety nine, which is three bucks more than the rest of the world? So it's, I don't know. <laughs> is he thinking that Apple users are just uh, more um, wealthier? Mm, interesting. I think it's just easier to sign up through the iOS app. So, you know, sometimes the easier it is to get into something, the higher the price you pay for it. So, um, I don't know. Are you going to be paying for your blue tick? I would have to think twice about that. I would probably buy something else instead of the blue tick. What about you, Michelle? I'd probably put the $15 to an ETF, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> All right, uh, time for corporate news. We're going to do this game show style, up or down. Uh, Ryan, let's start with Samcorp Marine. Okay, let's take a look at what we have with Samcorp Marine. Um, I am probably going to go with up. So Samcorp Marine is uh, looking at some strong profits. Yeah, now that Samcorp Marine's merger with Keppel O&M appears to be all but final, with shareholders overwhelmingly backing the deal at an EGM last week. Investors are either taking profits or voicing disapproval about this merger. Samcorp Marine shares dropped more than 11% yesterday. They're down 16% since the start of the year. Let's look at China Everbright Water. All right, it's going to be an up for me. So this is with China Everbright getting a contract for a waste treatment or rather waste water treatment project in China. So this is worth $130 million. So it's more revenue for the company. That's right. It's a big project for China Everbright Water, that $130 million wastewater project in Shandong province. So it should be an up for the company. Standard Chartered Bank. Okay, Standard Chartered Bank is going to be an up for me. So this is with the view that mm. it is looking to hire more than around 500 staff in Hong Kong. And this is with the China reopening story lifting the outlook there. Uh, so something they are going to make a play for in an increase in wealth management and lending. 
Yeah, look at that. Standard Chartered planning to hire as many as 500 new employees in Hong Kong this year. It is beefing up its wealth management and its loan departments as well. Standard Chartered's b- bullishness based on the reopening of Hong Kong's border with China and expectations there. I think this is an up for Standard Chartered as well as Hong Kong. Let's look at Orchard Towers. All right. What an iconic building. So it's actually been on an on block sale campaign but it has fallen short because they could not get the requisite 80% to vote through the sale to put it on the market. So that is now likely to see a lot of um, people who were hoping to cash out having to wait a bit longer and just reflects how difficult it is to put something that's strata titled on the selling block because of all the different interests. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Orchard Towers is not coming down, at least not literally, because that attempt to go on block has fallen through. It's a freehold building, in case you're wondering, Orchard Towers. And it was built nearly 50 years ago. Next, let's wrap things up for everybody, Ryan. The Straits Times Index seems to be running counter-cyclical to most other Asia-Pacific markets these days. When Tokyo, Seoul, Hong Kong and Sydney are down, Singapore is up. On a day like yesterday, when they were up, Singapore was down. The Straits Times index fell more than half a percent to 33.08. SATs and DFI retail led the way lower. Several real estate investment trusts bucked the downward trend, though. Just yesterday on this show, we talked about how REITs are attracting a lot of interest from institutional buyers. Well, Capital Land, Ascendus REIT and Maple Tree Logistics Trust both closed up more than 1% during yesterday's trade. Well... Before I let you go, Ryan, a question I've always wanted to ask you, actually. Are you a Marvel or DC Comics kind of guy? I would lean more towards Marvel, even though I'm a big Batman fan. Ah, okay. That helps me with your Christmas list. Well, listen, the latest Marvel movie is out and the first of what's called Phase 5 for the Marvel Universe. So the movie stars two insects I never thought I'd hear together, Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Wasp. Quantum Mania is what it's called. Over the weekend, Quantum Mania crossed 225 million US dollars, more than half of which came from ticket sales outside of the US. Uh, Paul Rudd is Ant-Man. Jonathan Majors plays the villain. That's a character called Kang. Uh, you might recognize him from Loki. That was a Disney Plus series. So, uh, Ryan, are you going to catch Quantumania wow. in theaters or are you going to wait for the home release? Uh, it looks like Ant-Man is punching above his weight. It's a huge blockbuster. I would uh. wait for the Netflix um, version. <laughs> I'm right there with you. The couch is calling. Uh, In the US, apparently, though, more moviegoers are buying premium tickets. Not sure if the gold-class theatres are over there in the States are as good as ours, but they seem to be taking off, which is good news for the movie theatre industry in the States, which still has not fully bounced back from the pandemic. So there you have it. Thank you very much. This has been Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.